Chapter 18 of The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Zanusha The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb Chapter 18 Nanny Remembers An old lady lived in the room at the very end of the corridor, an old lady with white hair and a face all over wrinkles. She seemed terribly old to Jenny, but she had a smile that was young, and so Jenny was not afraid of her. Jenny had pretended that there was an old lady in this room, an old lady who had been a governess. But the old lady she actually found living in this room had not been a governess. She had been a nurse, so Jenny heard Aunt Abby say. It was not until she went in one day with a small parcel that had just come by post for the old lady that Jenny discovered whose nurse she had been. She hasn't forgotten me said the old lady in a quavering voice as she took the parcel with shaky fingers she never forgets bless her heart though it's many a year since i did anything for her as she opened the parcel she went on talking nodding and blinking and smiling at jenny wait a bit wait a bit little girl don't go away for a minute I remember her so well when she was your age. Nanny, she said to me last time I saw her, three weeks, no, four weeks ago, yesterday I saw her. Nanny, she says, you must go home. We always called this place home. You must go home, she says, and have a good rest. It's what you want. There's a room all ready. So I came down here, my dear. She had opened the parcel by this time. There now, she went on, taking out a pair of black woollen mittens. What do you think of that? Just what I wanted and all. She never forgets. The old lady blinked at Jenny. It's my birthday she announced in her thin, whispery voice. She never forgets. Oh, said Jenny, I, I hope you will have many happy returns. The old lady stretched out her arms, and Jenny went shyly forward and kissed her wrinkled cheek. When my Miss Clare was your age, began the old lady. Miss Clare? exclaimed Jenny, starting back. Yes, my dear, I was Miss Clare's nurse when she was a little girl like you, and a sweet, lovable little thing she was, in spite of her willful ways. I remember... The Girl in the Picture I remember Miss Clare when she was nine years old, with her golden curls brushed and shining, a prettier sight it would have been impossible to find. There was a picture made of her about that time, 
all in a dainty white frock she was, and with that new doll of hers held in her arms. It used to hang in the drawing-room beside the mantelpiece. I wonder where it is now. I know, said Jenny, up on the wall in the twisting passage. Well, to be sure, exclaimed Nanny, and is it indeed? Her parents gave her the doll on her ninth birthday. What did she call it now? Ah, I remember, Lady Barbara. She was to have had Lady Barbara given to her on the previous Christmas, but she did something naughty, and her father, instead of letting her have it, put it away in a box, and it was kept till her birthday. She was full of courage, was Miss Clare, and not afraid to own up if she had been in the wrong, and she was not afraid of her father's punishments until after she had Lady Barbara. I'll tell you why in a minute. Many a battle of wills I had seen take place between her and her father, before Lady Barbara came. He was a very stubborn man when his temper was aroused, and she took after him. I have seen the two of them stand facing each other, white-faced and silent, and neither of them would give in an inch. It was not the proper way to bring up a child, in my opinion. She ought not to have been bullied, and then allowed to argue with her father as she did. If only her parents had understood her a little. If only they had tried to win her affection. But there, it doesn't matter what I thought. Nanny, Nanny, she would say, running up to me in the nursery and throwing her arms round my neck. I've broken father's telescope. He told me not to touch it, and I did. Don't mind, Nanny, don't be sad. And off she would go to her father to confess what she had done. She always begged me not to mind, because I used to say how sad it made me when she was naughty. Miss Clare is to go to bed at six o'clock tonight. Her father would come striding in to tell me. She's been a very naughty girl. But Miss Clare was a curious child. Although she would own up and accept punishment, she was too proud ever to admit that it was a punishment. I want to go to bed, she would say about six o'clock. I'm tired. And off she would go to bed without any more ado. Clare is not to come with me to the garden party, her mother said on another occasion. She was so disobedient this morning I shall leave her at home. And so Miss Clare was left behind. I'm very glad I'm not going. I don't want to go a bit, she said, and began to hum a little tune as she tapped with her fingers on the window pane and watched her mother drive away. But when it came to Christmas time and her father showed her the beautiful doll and then put it away, I think she cared that time. Not that she would admit it. Oh, no. She didn't want the doll at all she gave us to understand. She had been extra naughty on that occasion. Indeed, though 
through her naughtiness a small cousin of hers had nearly been killed. Again and again she had been told not to open the garden gates and take this small cousin out along the main road. But she did, and the little cousin was knocked down by a cart, bruised and very frightened. But as good fortune would have it, not injured seriously. There was a terrible scene with Miss Clare's father that day. Miss Clare's Christmas present was packed up and put away. Cousin was taken home, and Miss Clare was left to amuse herself over Christmas as best she could. I found her crying in bed on Christmas Eve, but she said it was because her feet were cold, not because her father had told her that Father Christmas was not coming to her that year on account of her naughtiness. She hung up her stockings in spite of her father's words, but on Christmas morning she found them empty. About that time she invented a new game for herself. I don't know what it was all about, but she was constantly running up and down the long twisting passage, the one outside my door here, running up and down and talking in whispers to herself. Why, it's like the game I was playing out there, said Jenny, only I was playing with Miss Clare. What? said Nanny. Playing with Miss Clare. But you couldn't. So Jenny had to explain all about it. Ah, said Nanny, nodding her head. I see. I shouldn't wonder if Miss Clare wasn't playing that game too. When her birthday came and she got her doll at last, the way she cared for it. All day long she was nursing it and dressing and undressing it and talking to it. She'd wanted it all the time. That was plain to see. She was a good enough little soul with me, on the whole. If only her father hadn't been quite such a strict man. He was always finding fault with her. Neither he nor her mother seemed much interested in the child except when she was naughty. She was their only child, too. The father's thoughts were taken up a good deal with his business affairs, and the mother went out and entertained a lot. So you might say Miss Clare had a lonely childhood. Of course she had me, but that's different. However, her loneliness seemed over when her doll arrived. She was happy and occupied all the day long with it. And then one day her father found out that the only way really to punish Miss Clare was to threaten to take her doll away and shut it in a cupboard for a week. I shall never forget the child's face the first time he did this. To me it seemed a shame to punish her through the doll, the one thing she had to care for. However, it doesn't matter what I used to think. The first time her father used this new way of punishing her was one day when Miss Clare had got into the library, where she was forbidden on account of her carelessness, 
and had accidentally damaged a book on which her father set great store. I remember hearing her father coming with his heavy tread up the stairs. He flung the nursery door wide open. Claire, he cried, and his voice was very angry. In his hand he held the damaged book. I was just coming to tell you, father, she said. Just coming to tell me, repeated her father. Haven't you been told again and again not to go into the library and touch my books? His eyes flashed round the room and rested on me. I was sitting by the window, sewing a tiny button on Lady Barbara's frock, while her ladyship reclined elegantly on my knee. He paused. Then, Nurse, give me Miss Clare's doll, he said. Immediately Miss Clare sprang to her feet. Father, what are you going to do? she cried, and there was fear in her voice. But don't do anything to Lady Barbara. Please, please don't. I'll never touch your books again. Indeed, I won't. At this her father's eyes gleamed strangely. He recognised that through her love for her doll he had some power over her at last. Give me the doll, he said again to me. What could I do? I handed it to him in silence. He took it roughly and strode toward the door. Father, oh, what are you going to do? implored Miss Clare, following him. I am going to shut this doll of yours up in the hall cupboard for a week, on the top shelf and I shall keep the key of the door in my pocket, he said. We heard his heavy footsteps descending the stairs. Miss Clare stood quite still for a second. Then she burst into tears. It was the first time I'd ever seen her cry over one of her father's punishments. The sight was so unusual that I got up at once and put my arms about her. Don't cry, honey, I said, forgetting how naughty she had been. But even if I'd remembered, I dare say I should have done the same. I had always a soft spot in my heart for my Miss Clare. It's not fair! It's not fair! she sobbed. It's not fair to lock Lady Barbara in the cupboard. She hasn't done anything. It's me that ought to be locked in. Not her. Oh, she'll be so frightened of the dark. It made my heart ache to hear the way she cried. She clung to me for a bit. Then she rushed off to find her father and beg him to lock her in the cupboard instead of Lady Barbara. But her father was firm. He would do nothing of the kind, he said. For a week Lady Barbara should remain in the cupboard in the dark, and then, providing she had been good all the week, Claire should have her back again. In vain, Claire pleaded with him. The next day, knowing that Miss Claire had lain awake half the night crying, I went down and spoke to her father myself, fearing the child would cry herself ill. It was no use. It is the only way to teach her said her father. 
and her mother agreed. On my way upstairs I met Miss Clare coming hurriedly down. "'Where are you going?' I asked her, alarmed at the look on her face. "'Nanny,' she said, "'I'm going to get a hammer, and I'm going to smash the cupboard door open and get my poor Lady Barbara out.' It took me some time to talk her out of this, but I did it. I told her that I feared if she did anything of the kind, the doll might be taken away from her altogether. And at last she gave up the idea, and sat beside me for a time on the window seat in the nursery. But after a while she got up and went down into the passage, and I heard her running up and down, up and down, and talking to herself. After this, Miss Clare went and sat on a little stool outside the hall cupboard for an hour or so each day, reading or doing her lessons. And every now and then she would whisper through the crack of the door to Lady Barbara. And each evening at bedtime she would always go and whisper good night, and tell Lady Barbara not to be frightened because nothing would hurt her. It was a bad week for Miss Clare. The joy in her face when she got Lady Barbara back at the end of it made the tears spring to my eyes. But her father merely said, Now remember, Clare, whenever you are naughty in future, that doll goes into the cupboard here for a week. Miss Clare seemed to be good for a long time after this. But one day she did something, a little trifling thing before some visitors, which displeased her father, and the doll was taken away again. But there was no third time. One afternoon she came flying upstairs into the nursery, her face dead white. Nanny, she gasped, quick, where is Lady Barbara? She snatched the doll up in her arms and was out of the room again before I could say a word. Five minutes later she came back and sat quietly down by the fire. Her father came up immediately afterward and the expression on his face made me tremble for my Miss Clare. Clare, he cried, you've been across those rose beds again. The gardener saw you. "'and you've broken that prize rose-bush.' "'I didn't mean to. "'I didn't mean to, really, truly I didn't,' "'said Miss Clare earnestly. "'I forgot. "'Just for a little minute I did. "'I was in a hurry to get onto the wide path on the other side, "'and my foot slipped in the soil and—' "'That's enough,' said her father. "'I'm so sorry. "'So sorry, father, really.' "'What's the good of being sorry? "'You always are sorry when you've done the mischief.' "'Her father shut his mouth in a tight line. "'But I really didn't mean—' "'began Miss Clare imploringly. "'Where's that doll of yours?' demanded her father. "'And let me tell you, this is your last chance, Clare. "'Next time you shall not have the doll back at all. "'So I warn you. I'm tired of your disobedience. Give me that doll at once. Miss Clare made no movement, 
Nurse? Her father turned to me. I looked round. I don't know where it is, sir, I said. Claire, said her father again, give me that doll. Miss Clare still made no movement, but there was the light of battle in her eyes. She lifted her head and looked her father squarely in the face. If you're angry with me, father, she said, you must punish me, not Lady Barbara. She hasn't done anything. I can't, I can't bear her to be locked up. Give me that doll, quick was all her father replied. Miss Clare sat perfectly still. Clare! shouted her father angrily. No, I won't give her to you, cried Miss Clare in a passion. She shan't be punished. She shan't. I've hidden her, somewhere where you'll never find her. You'll never find her, so lock me in the cupboard instead. Her father was furious with her. Nurse, he said, find that doll for me. I insist. And he began looking about himself. Of course I had to get up and help. But Miss Clare sat by the fire, trembling with excitement. After we had searched the nursery, we went out into the passage and searched the other rooms on the same landing. The end room was a sort of box room, hardly ever used, full of old furniture and boxes. As I turned into this room, I noticed marks in the dust on the boxes near the floor. My heart sank. I was afraid I was on the track. I came to the fireplace and looked about. And then... Peeping down from the chimney was a corner of Lady Barbara's dress. She was wrapped all up in an old black shawl, but a corner of her dress was peeping out. I stretched out my hand, then let it drop to my side. I turned my eyes away as if I'd seen nothing, and I went on searching. Outside the door, Miss Clare's father said to me, Well, we won't waste any more time, nurse, but you find out from her where it is. I must have it. It's the only way to teach her. Fortunately, a visitor on business came for him at that moment, and he was obliged to hurry away downstairs. I don't know what would have happened next, but that night Miss Clare's father was taken suddenly ill. They said the visitor had brought bad business news, which had upset him, and helped to bring on an attack, a kind of fit or something. Anyway, all thoughts of Lady Barbara and Miss Clare's punishment were forgotten in the general upheaval that followed. He was ill for many months, and then was taken abroad for a long time, so Miss Clare and her Lady Barbara were left in peace. Miss Clare was left in my charge. Of course she was naughty at times, but I could always manage her. She had an affectionate little heart, really. If only her parents had discovered it. 
at length Miss Clare had to go away to boarding-school. The day before she went she dressed Lady Barbara up in her best clothes, and put her carefully away in a drawer, in which she made a little chink with a penknife, so that Lady Barbara shouldn't be left entirely in the dark, and told her that she would think of her every day till the holidays came, and that she would never, never forget her. When the holidays came, Miss Clare made a rare fuss of Lady Barbara, but when the next holidays came, she did not get her out of the drawer until she had been home for two days. And at last came one holiday, when she forgot to take her out of the drawer at all. And so the years went by. Changes were made in the house, many changes, and Lady Barbara was packed away in the nursery cupboard, with all the other toys, and forgotten. "'Oh, how could Miss Clara forgotten her?' said Jenny. "'She had had her day,' said Nanny. "'But I could never have forgotten Lady Barbara altogether,' sighed Jenny. "'Yes, you could,' said the old nurse. "'Things that at one time you think you cannot live without.' You find you can live without, and if it wasn't so, it would be impossible to go on living at all. I don't suppose you believe me, but when you are older you will find I am right. But though Miss Clare may have forgotten all about Lady Barbara, she has never forgotten her old nurse. Bless her heart, and these mittens she sent me for my birthday will be a rare comfort. Poor Lady Barbara. I wonder what became of her. I know, said Jenny. She is upstairs in the old nursery cupboard. I have played with her. And she went on to tell Nanny all about it. I always tell her Miss Clare has not forgotten her. And she hasn't. My Miss Clare hasn't. Nanny shook her head and smiled. My Miss Clare has, she said. End of chapter 18